0: Hi, my name is Joe, and I am an alcoholic. Joe. I want to thank Tom for asking me to share here. This is actually like my third time to share at this meeting. It's an honor and a privilege to share at AA meeting. But this meeting is really special to me. Um, my sobriety day is January 10, 2007. And uh, in 2007, this meeting was at the Murray building over in Mission Viejo. But I know this meeting has been around for a long, long time. I asked Dean before the, uh, at the break, you know, what, it was at the Mission Hospital. So we call it the Mission Speaker Meeting. And then, um, and then it moved to the Water District. And and at the Water District, uh, I I just come into a I I had been riding my bike to meetings for the first year because I had my, I uh, lost my license. And uh, when we got to the water district meeting, I got my license back, and I had a truck. And uh, so I was the coffee maker for a couple of years. It was kind of hard to get commitments. It's just like this meeting now. It's hard to be, make people take commitments. And then uh, I became the chairman. I, I was on the steering committee, but I became the chairman. And what that meant was I had the chairs in my garage, and I brought the chairs to the meeting. <laughs> I did that for a number of years, and because uh, nobody else wanted to take chairs. But um, I've actually spoke at this meeting. This will be my third time. So if you've heard it before, it's the same story. <laughs> but I, I try to change it up. Obviously, there, hopefully, there's some spiritual growth in there from the last time, about seven years ago or so. And so I, I'm one of nine kids. I'll start off with that. And my uh, grandfather was German, right? My paternal grandfather was German. So I have Schmitz is my name. and. Uh, but um, my paternal grandmother's English, and my mom's Irish on both sides. So I got a little uh, the island in me and uh, and uh, you know I, I don't blame my drinking on that Irish Catholic uh, stuff, you know, but you know it, it doesn't hurt. And uh, and I, I, I like to drink. A lot, sometimes you'll hear people say I didn't like the taste, I like what it did for me. I, I, did, I did both. I liked. How, what it tastes like, and I like what it did for me. And um, let's see, I, I'm trying to, you know, how do I get into this? I want to share my story, how do I get here? So what happens is I, I don't really have a big story, right? And uh, my friend Kathy came in, and uh, I, when I got here, she had probably 12 or 13 years of sobriety already. And she tells a story about how she, she listened to speakers, and she didn't have a story. And then she went out and got a story. <laughs> you know? And I heard that, and I go, oh, you know what? I, I don't want to work on that story anymore. So you know, I, I'm, my story is this, that I drank a lot. And when I was 18, I remember looking at my buddy, and I said, like, I, I drink to get fucked up. And the look on his face such, told me that I better just keep that to myself. <laughs> But it didn't stop me. I just I hung with people that drank like I did and felt like I did. And you know, I told you know your mom tells you don't don't hang with people, and she's right. You know, the people you hang with is what you do. I didn't hang with anybody that did needles, but all the other stuff. You know, we put it on foil, we put it in a pipe. I did all that stuff, and I did it better. You know, when I did it. You know, so going to college, I'm doing those beer bongs, 32 ounce beer bongs, and You know, gravity-assist drinking is easy, but, you know, I I liked it. And uh, so I am just trying to, uh, you know, so I drank when I was, before I was 18, I drank. And uh, I'll I'll just tell you, the first time was uh, my brother's a little older than me, and he scored for me. He scored a half a pint of um, tequila and a half a pint of Southern Comfort. And uh, I, I took my friend Dave, and I said, Dave, you pick. And he picked, the, uh, he picked the tequila, and I got the Southern Comfort. And uh, so we went to the party. It was a kegger. We were sophomores, and it, it was a, a senior party. And so we ended up, like, playing in the creek to, uh, behind the house, right? We drank our booze and messed around. And then, you know, we're sophomores, so Dave's mom and my parents took me there, Dave's mom picks us up. <laughs> and so we're driving home, and Dave's in the middle, and we're in the, the bed of the truck, right? You know, a single-seat truck. And all of a sudden, Dave, like, kind of, he's getting sick. And he lurches for the window. And I roll down the window real quick, and he blows it out the window. And Mrs. Michelle looks at me. She says, well, Joe, I go, oh, Miss Michelle, there was an awful lot of beer at that meeting. And, you know, that's kind of like the nature of this thing, right? We start off being deceivers and liars and do what we, we do what it takes to drink, right? So I go off to school in uh, Phoenix, and um, I, I, I was raised, I was born here in Whittier, right? I, I'm a uh, N- native Californian. Go to school in Phoenix, and part of the deal there was drinking age was 19. So that was pretty cool. And uh, so you go out to school, and uh, again, I'm hanging with people that drank like I did, and 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 we're doing, doing what it What it takes to, you know, like one time I missed a final exam because I'm not getting hammered with my friends. College life is tough because each person has a different schedule, and and I'm always with the people that are drinking, you know, not going to classes and whatnot. But I I managed to 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 do okay, right? I graduated, looked at my diploma, make sure, oh god, that last D killed me, but I got my degree and I came back to California and then started working. And so I was here in Mission Viejo in 1980. I moved here uh, in Mission Viejo. And uh, so I got, I got Patsy's. I, I could name all the Iron Mule, the Mugs Away the Slough. The, uh, you know, Big Helens was a big favorite of mine right down by the golf course. And, and uh, I did my drinking locally here. And uh, so, I, I, you know, I'm not, not paying for this yet, right? And... Uh, I, I did want to tell one, one story. In college, I, we were driving in, around in um, this little uh, Twinkie, we called it. It was like a, a yellow um, a, a Toyota little minibus, you know, before they had minibuses. And uh, and uh, it was I, I was in the back seat. We had gone down to New and we were drinking and brought, brought back our limited tequila and all that stuff. We we're drinking and smoking and uh, smoking pot all the way back. And then in Tucson, we get a a border check, and uh, all of a sudden we're driving. I'm I'm in the back seat, and my friend's driving, and Steve, and and it's kind of funny when I think about it, because Steve couldn't see where the lick, and uh, I don't know how he got to be the driver, but he he rolls rolls down the window, and all I see is this cloud of smoke go through the window, and then the border guy puts his head in the back, and he says, what do you got here? And my friend goes, only Jose in the back. And and I I don't know how they let us home, they let us drive home, but, um, but the reason why I would tell that story is that the next morning I got up and the car is parked on the front lawn kind of backwards, and I, I have no recollection of that. I didn't know, I couldn't tell you that what a blackout was until I came to Alcoholics Honest. but uh, that was my M.O. All the, all the time, you know, going to uh, going into blackouts. So I get uh, hired here in, uh, at uh, Burroughs here in Mission Viejo, and about three years into that, they, uh, they have somebody going to uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil for a, a, to check on a plant that they're going to open down there. And I didn't know why. Why, why wouldn't anybody want to go? I go, yeah, I'll go. I'll take that job. And uh, so we go down. I go, I go down there. And, um, you know, I'm a young man. I go in there and uh, every night I'm out drinking. And then I get, so either the next day I either had a hangover or the runs or something. And it, it was a miserable 10 days down there. And uh, so one one night um, I walked into the bar, at, you know, this is like three days into this trip. And the bar just goes silent. Oh. And then I look around, I go, what? You know, I have the esmeritas, which is the fire water, the sugarcane drink. And they say, oh, Mr. Schmitz, uh, we're surprised you're in here. And the guy explained to me that last night I got into a fight with a couple of these Texas oilmen, and I have no recollection about it, and how, how it happened, and and thank God they must have taken me back to my room, and you know because I went on. I was able to do the job during the day, but at night, you know, these blackouts could happen, and and, and you know, okay, let's what's next, you know. So we come back. I come back from that trip, and uh, uh, the boss says, uh, you know, maybe you should take some. Uh, Stress management classes, because <laughs> I'm like shaking, and uh, and and I'm thinking like, okay, you know, I just blamed it on jet lag, but really it's probably like alcohol poisoning. But I'm a young kid; you can get through that, and I could do that for 20 years, right? I have decades of my life that I don't remember, but I, I'm not suffering any consequences. 1999, I got my first DUI. And uh, it was, I was w- with my wife going to a Laker game. And um, coming out of that, we're smoking. And all of a sudden, the lights light up, boom. And, uh, and it's, it happens to be Thanksgiving weekend. The uh, U- USC-UCLA game's going on. They, uh, they drop my wife off at the, uh, at a hotel. I tell them, take her to the Bonaventure. And, and they go, no. They take her to the village in uh, uh, way outside. And then they book me at Parker Center. And um, I'm out in six hours, right? Six, six o'clock in the morning, I get out, I walk past the Bonaventure, out six miles to the hotel and pick her up. But they sentenced me to uh, six AA meetings on that first UI. And uh, so the uh, Saddleback Club was at Schwartz at the time, over by the Big Five. And, and uh, I, that's where I did my six meetings. And that's 1999. And, uh, you know, I, I just thought I was unlucky. You know that's that's how Ralph describes it, right? You know, if you're if you're an alcoholic and you're here, you're you're just thinking like, you know, why did I take El Toro, right? But um, but if you know, but if you're an, if you're not, you're gonna say, ah, oh, I'm never gonna do that again. And I, I had three months of three years of probation, and uh, I'm probably drinking and driving again in about three months, doing it again. And I I I'm, I'm looking back now, I can tell you that's alcoholism, right? That's I I can stop, but I can't stay stopped. But I, I I don't know it, you know. Meanwhile, my sister dies of liver failure. She 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 can't get on a liver transplant list because um, she can't stay sober. And I'm living it at, at at her funeral. Um, I'm I'm drinking, a, you know. It's Irish. The wake, the difference between an Irish wake and an Irish wedding is there's one less drinker, right? <laughs> So at, at, at her funeral or wake, I, I'm drinking a beer, talking to her doctor, who was a guy that I I went to grade school with. He was a, a guy I went to grade school, high school, right? And uh, I'm talking to him and drinking a beer, just saying you know like whatever. And uh, no, no clue that hey maybe you got a problem too. I, it didn't it didn't happen, but so now I'm suffering these consequences, right? I got my first DUI, but it didn't. It didn't phase me. Listen to the meeting. People at meetings would say, hey, if you're here on a court card, you might try taking a look at this, and it's just going over my, you know, yeah, right, buddy. And so I, I get it. If you're here, and you're new, and you're going like, is this for me? Am I have. you got to ask these questions, right? That's kind of why we're up here, trying to, to get you to buy into this. And uh, so for me, it took the, the second DUI, right? Six years, 11 months later. I'm playing golf with my buddy a couple of weeks before, and uh, he said, "Hey Joe, you're not drinking." I go, "Yeah, John. When I drink, I I can't stop. You know, we're we're, we're going to go down to uh, Carlsbad and we're playing golf. I go, I got to drive home, so I'm I'm not drink I'm drinking while we're playing golf. He goes, "Yeah, okay, good." So two weeks later, another Laker game with my brother. I went up to the Laker game. Boom, we're him. pounding I don't remember Saturday. That was Friday night. Sunday night was the wine tasting with my wife we're taking, doing the wine tasting and then uh, and then su- uh, Monday she called in six so I went to get her some lunch and uh, coming back from Rancho Santa Margarita I got to the Oso and um, uh, and the ne- my streets the next street and I looked at my rearview mirror and there's six <laughs> excuse me there's six sheriffs sitting behind me and then all of a sudden when they see that I've acknowledged them they Fire up their lights, and they pull me over. The, one of the arresting officers, um, he, he diagnosed me as a periodic. I, I think that's funny because I drank every day. You know, I drank period. But, but <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. My, my wife couldn't understand how is it that this guy can go to work and get the, you know, get his job done, and he's just, asked you know, I'm shit faced, where I, you know, I can't even talk. And you know, five minutes before, I'm I'm fine, right? And that's the progression of this thing. And so, like, I'm pay- I'm not only paying the consequences physically, you know, I got the shakes. Can't, you know, I, I was at a wedding once. The guy said, Hey, will you help me serve champagne? And I and I go, Yeah, sure. And I've got the two wine glasses, and I hand them out. And all of a sudden, my hands are like this with the two glasses. I'm going, Please take these, you know. And you know, I, I'm like, what? I'm just nervous, right? And it's basically, you know, I got the shakes because I'm, I'm an alcoholic. So I come into AA. I'm, I got 52 weeks mandatory AA meetings. And, uh, and, you know, every other week I have a face-to-face with a counselor. This is my DUI court card thing. And... Uh, you know, I, I gotta I, I gotta I'm, now i if, if I get another GUI if I drink I drive you know that's that's just my mo and if I get another one I would face a year in jail and um, so I I, 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 uh, I go about 11 months going to meetings wanting to drink all the time and I'm you know it, it's kind of soaking in but I'm not I haven't bought into it yet and I'm at a meeting, and, and we're reading from the big book. It's a book study meeting. I go to all these meetings today still. And uh, I read a paragraph. One of the paragraphs I read says, if, you, you know, if you're figuring, trying to figure this out, try stop drinking for a year. And that, that's right where I was at. I, and I shared that. I go, wow, I'm, I'm right at this spot where I'm at a year, and I don't know if I'm going to make it. And some joker in the back goes, oh, try working the steps. And I go, you know, that's probably good advice. I, I, took it, I took it to heart. And so within that time frame, I got a sponsor. And, and then I uh, started with steps. Actually, I have to be honest with you. I, I was going to this, um, this missionaries meeting up here on Philippe and Marguerite. And a couple of guys grabbed me and said, hey, do you have a sponsor? And I go, no. And they, they kind of like flipped a coin and say, OK, I'm your sponsor. And, and so, I, and I needed that. I don't do that to anyone today, but I needed that. I need somebody to come and say, "Hey, okay, I'm your sponsor." Turned out to be Jim Stevens, and Jim took me. You know, it, it said, "Let's work these steps," and and I did. And about uh, six months into it, I I did a fifth step, and and what happened is, I was in that book study about th- three years later, and it, and you're reading there, it, it says. Many people find at this fifth step that the obsession to drink goes away, and I'm, I go, oh, that's what happened to me, that I I had this obsession to drink all the time, and then I worked the steps, and the obsession of drink went away, and uh, and so now, you know, 13 or 12 years later, I'm up here telling, I've bought the Kool-Aid, I I I believe this stuff, this stuff works. It works, and, and you know, that, so now my job is to convince you to try this thing. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'll just give you some deals that I did. I, I went to meeting, all right, meeting meekers make it. Um, about six months into my sobriety, my wife handed me divorce papers. When I got that first DUI, she goes, if this ever happens again, I'm going to divorce you. When I got the second one... I, my life was kind of a shamble. I had gotten laid off from a job that I probably because of drinking I wouldn't I didn't know it at the time but you know I thought it was just the recession, right but you know none of the other guys got laid off, right And, and I got a severance package because I'd been working there for 26 years and so I proceeded to drink my way through that severance package. So she was done with me. so she handed me divorce papers which I thought was a pretty raw deal. I go, hey, I'm in AA. But you remember, I didn't get the sponsor until a year in. So six months into it, I was this 6 months guy going to AA meetings thinking like I'm the guy leaving the, the, uh, the tunnel, right, or the tornado. Say, so, hey, ain't it grand? I'm quitting drinking. And she's going, no, and hey, And, you know, there's the door. So it, it, what it freed me to do, because of our, our uh, living situation, we couldn't separate. So I had to, I stayed there. She'd get up early in the morning go to work, I'd go get up and go to a meeting. And then she'd come home and and it you know, it was taxis or whatever, she's an accountant and she'd go to bed early and I'd go to a meeting. So we'd try to stay away from each other. She'd be leaving me notes like, Oh, you fucked up my life and you know and I was here I am I, I am trying to change, but you know, slowly but surely, right? I I had uh I had gotten a... A book, you know, a self-help book. It was, it was, uh, I, it was uh, the Art of Loving by Eric Fromm. It was written in 1958. This happened to be a couple of years before the fifth anniversary, so it was on the the dime book counter at the library. So I picked it up because I figured, well, I could use work on this Art of Loving. And in there, it talks about uh, practicing any art. You need patience. Uh, you need concentration, and uh, you need uh, d- uh, practice, right? You need, uh, you need to discipline. So you need any art. And then it says to practice the art of love, you need faith and courage. And that book is kind of weird because it's it's a, written by a doctor and he's really, uh, he's like a, you know, he's a doctor so he can't go into this spirituality book. But a, a full half of the book is about needing a higher power. And I'm in AA going, here's a book, here's, AA says you need this higher power. And here's a book written you know, at the same time frame saying science says you need this higher power to practice this art of love. Bob Smith says uh, AA can be summed up by two words, love and service. And, and so I'm getting this confirmation that, that this, there's a practicalness to this program that'll work in your life. In that book, it talked about uh, uh, smoking and, uh, and it said, you know, if you're smoking, you're using all five senses, it's because you're bored and your you know so you use your your mouth your lips your tongue all that stuff is involved in smoking he says why don't you try meditation try meditation because it'll take you away from that thing. and here i'm practicing a program that says hey we're going to try meditation here and i i here i get another confirmation that there's something practical in these steps that are designed to get us to stop doing those those harmful things that we're doing and uh, and it's working. It's working for me. I haven't had a drink now, you know. I, and then in fact, I I did a six and seven step on my smoking that I picked up at meetings. Right, <laughs> going to uh, those DUI classes for uh, 18 months. Every break we'd smoke. And I, I wasn't much of a smoker before, but I had bar- bummed a cigarette off of everybody in the meeting, so I had to start buying my own. And once you start buying your own, you're 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 hooked. There's only 20 of them in a pack, boom, and then you're going to lend three or four out anyway. But uh, So I did a six and seven step on that, and, you know, my gosh, it, if that, 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 it, it worked. I said I said to God, I prayed, I said, hey, if you're using this, I, I, I'm willing to keep doing this, but I, I'd like to stop it. And, you know, within a couple of months, I, I didn't smoke anymore. And sure enough, somebody had a meeting once, uh, they, they stood up, they took a birthday chip, and they said, you know, I probably would have left here except Joe stopped me at the smoking break and uh, convinced me to come back again. And I had no idea that that happened. So there was a time where God was using that and then I was willing and he was willing to take it away from me. And that, that that's the kind of stuff that I get over and over again in AA. The practicalness of this thing that the steps are designed to get you to have this spiritual awakening. I heard a speaker once talk about Pausing, he says, "If you know, you get to the tenth step when we pause." He said, "That's a spiritual experience," and uh, and so you know, it's not a woo-woo thing. But, you know, here's the thing. when I was um, I I I went to church. I went to church. You know, every day until I was 20 years old, I went to church. I went to church. I drove. I drank on my way to church. I drank on my way home. So I believed that stuff, but it, I was my my faith wasn't being focused coming to AA and they're saying, hey, you you could be a a big man of faith, but if it's not, you're drinking like a fish, it's not working, right? That that could be me. So now I have this focus, and and so I still believe it. I believe all that stuff, and now I can see the practical application of it working in life, not only in me, but people around me. I've seen families reunited. There's a lot of miracles in here. So I jumped in. I jumped in. I became. I did service work. I became the uh, district coffee maker. The next year, they nominated me as the district chairman. So I did the GSR stuff. I've been the intergroup rep. I've I've done the the service work that's done in here that's that keeps you involved and keeps you in the history of the AA and it's a big part of this deal to know the history of the AA how how people did this. Doctor Bob in his library had the. Uh, t- the um, Emmett Fox book, uh, Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, you know, that's maybe outside the purview of this thing, but but uh, the Sermon on the Mount it talks about uh, Beatitudes, and one of them is the blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And in there, they the inherit the earth, he describes that as being the the surroundings around you, you that you you have dominion over the circumstances. And that appeals to me. I want to have that. And sometimes we come in here and we say, you know, we, we're powerless over conditions and things. But we're, there's this force that's out there, this power that's available to us. It's always present. It's never withholding. And it doesn't play favorites. It's there, waiting for you to, to tap into it at any time. Whatever your conditions are now, you tap into that, and the Spirit operates to change conditions in your life. And I've seen that work over and over again. So no matter where you're at right now, we're pretty confident that if you come in here and work these steps and practice these principles and all your prayers, things are going to get better. A lot of times you won't hear people say things will change. But if you're around here enough, you're you're pretty confident you could say things are going to get better. They're going to change for the good. It cannot possibly not happen that way. If this spirit, that's a loving force, and you're asking for direction and strength, it would be cruel for it not to give it to you. It, it, it's designed for you to tap into it. But I've heard this too. God's a gentleman. He's not going to crash your party. And you have to invite him in. But if you do, conditions that you're at now because of your mental state will change because your mental state will change. That's what the spiritual experience is about. You see, in Appendix 2, they'll talk about change. You're going to have a psychic change, a physical change. The uh, upheaval, you know, the change could be different for different people. But that change will manifest in your life as in, in a good way. And you constantly do that. What we have is a daily reprieve, right? So you're constantly tapping into this spirit, asking for direction and strength, going in faith that you're going to get it. And, and it, it's worked for me. I bought it and, it, and I'm trying to get you to buy it. And, and as soon as you see it, and you see it in others, you'll do it. We tell you that the newcomer is the most important person to serve. And the reason for that, I've found, is that when, when you stick around and I see it work in you, it redoubles my confidence that it works. And I've seen it. I see people come in here, and, and not just them. I've seen their mothers come in after them. So I've seen whole families reunited because they were at this program. My, my life has changed. That woman that left me notes saying I messed up, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to marry her again. You know, our, our situation has changed now. And, and we're back into it. So, you know, like I say, I, this, this thing, it, it, it's worked for me. And so I, I want to send it out to you that practice these principles in all your affairs and you just wait. It's a promise in the uh, working with others. When you work with another guy, you say, Hey, just abandon yourself to this power and just watch how good your life can be. Thanks for another.